Thank you for listening to this sermon from Renaissance Church located in Montreal, Quebec. For more information about Renaissance Church, please visit our website, renaissancemtl.com. If you would like to know more about how you can partner up to see the gospel advance in Montreal, please send us an email at renaissance.mtl at gmail.com. I want to start by asking you how you are. How is everyone doing this morning? Are you awake? Thanks for answering. <laughs> yeah, we, we always have that little thing. They don't, we, we don't answer, but I know you're doing all right. Uh, some of you may know, my name is Juan Manuel, but for the ones who are new, my name is Juan. Um, and my desire for all of you is that if you are weary and carry heavy burdens, is that you will go to Jesus because he will give you rest. And that you will come to him, all, all messed up, because he will give you his joke and you will carry it upon you. And let him teach you because he's humble and gentle heart, that you, because you will find rest for your souls. For his joke is easy to bear and the burden he gives is life. It has been a while since I was up here, but here I am. Um, we've, this past week we've been going through the book of James and he's been teaching us how to live out our faith in a broken world. And interesting enough, our series is called Faith in a Broken World. Um, today we will continue in this series, which is almost to its end. And I'm in the second last part of this letter. Um, we're going to be on James chapter 5. And I'm going to go through the verses 7 to 12. So if you have a Bible, please take it out and go to that chapter and you can follow along. If you don't have a Bible, there is a connect table at the very back over there. We have Bibles in English and French. So please go ahead and grab one. Uh, they are for free. We won't charge you anything. Uh, if you want to use your phones, you can also do so. You can follow along with your phones. Just do it. Uh, but for the ones who don't want to use neither of them, there's, everything that I read is going to be up there in the projector. So you can follow along. I will be reading from the NLT translation because it's just easier for me to, to read. Oh, okay. Now it's better. Okay. Let me read the scripture for the day. And we'll dive in. The scripture for today is James 5, 7 to 12. Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider that the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring, they eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. Take courage, for the coming of the Lord is near. Don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. For look, the judge is standing at the door. For examples of patience and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, we look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We give great honor to those who endure and their suffering. For instance, you know about Job, a man of great endurance. You can, you can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end. For the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. But most of all, my brothers and sisters, never take an oath by heaven or earth or anything else. Just say a simple yes or no so that you will not sin and be condemned. Let me pray for all of us as we continue uh, unpacking Scripture. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for each person that is here today. I pray that you will humble our hearts as we learn from your worth. I pray, Jesus, that you will lead us and you will uh, uncover your truth for us and that you will give us the wisdom and the, under and the understanding so that we can take it with us for the week. Lord, I pray that I will speak through, that you will lead me, and you will let me teach your truth. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. 
As some of you might have guessed or read on your Bible already, this part of James' letter, we're going to talk about suffering. Uh, we're going to talk about patience in suffering and the endurance we should have in us. We will have three main points for this, for this, for this scripture. We're going to have the point that says, be patient in suffering. It's going to be up there. Be patient in suffering. Keep your eyes on, on Jesus and live for heaven. And godly company will be your great ally. First one is be patient in suffering. Keep your eyes on Jesus as you live for heaven. And godly company will be your great ally. How many of us have a hard time waiting? I'm surely not the only one. Great. Yes. It's on interaction. I like it. <laughs> yeah, surely I'm not the only one who has troubles waiting. And if you, don't think that you, if you think that you don't have any trouble waiting, please come with me and Dylan to get cast at Costco. The line is endless. <laughs> it is so hard to get to the front line. And another perfect way that we can see how impatient we are is when we warm up food in the microwave. We just stare at the countdown, and it's only, there's only 10 minutes left, but we still stare at it. We stub our food on the floor, and we just want it to be done. But that's how patient and patient we are. Um, we just don't realize that the countdown is not going to go any faster if we do this. But all of us know that we all serve a God that likes to use the oven instead of the microwave. And why the oven? It's because even though it takes a little bit longer for the food to be ready, it tastes better, it is moisture, it is well cooked all through, only if we let it take its time. And this is how we start our, main, our first main point. Be patient in suffering. Along this series, James has been giving us some practical ways on how to live out our faith. We learn about faith, we learn about listening and doing, we learn about favoritism, faith without works, and in the past sermons, we had grand teaching on how to tame our tongue. And now, we have arrived to a topic where most of us are going to be familiar with. Likewise, the church in Jerusalem, where James was slitter. Remember that this letter was written to Christians that were being persecuted and martyred by Jewish religious leaders. But not only that. But they were also facing a famine, which brought great poverty to their lives. So James is writing to them. Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the, for the valuable harvest to ripen, as James, James 7. James is talking to his brothers and sisters in Christ that are going through a difficult time in their lives. I don't know the situation of all of us right now. I don't know what you're going through. But most of us have something that is causing a certain degree of suffering in our lives. Most of us are going through hard times. Remember that suffering is not only related to pain, but it's also related to distress, anxiety, anguish, and probably more other things that I'm living out. But it involves everything. Your source of suffering may look like the long waiting for a better job the healing of someone you love or the healing from, of the healing of yourself from a disease, the deliverance from a scene that you have struggled with for a long time, the frustrating way for legal papers that seems to take forever to come. Perhaps it's a, it's a relational issue with your boyfriend, with your girlfriend, your spouse, with your friends, with your parents. Perhaps it's a financial issue and you don't know what to do. But whatever, is the, whatever the cause of suffering is, James tells us to be patient as we wait for the Lord's return. 
But what does that mean? To many, his answer may not make even sense. But let's go deeper and find out what he means by this. How many, how many of us have seen or at least heard the show The Chosen? Hey, nice. It's a really good show, right? I really recommend it. If you don't know it, please go and watch it. Nevertheless, the actor that plays the role of Jesus made a post on his Facebook referring to John 1, 5. And it's going to be up there in the, in the screen. Um, if you can't read what it says there, I'm going to read it out loud. It says, in this world, bones will break, hearts will still break, but in the end, the lie will overcome the darkness. Suffering, it is inevitable in this world, and it is not easy to endure it patiently. It's, and especially when bones and hearts are breaking. In fact, it's, in fact, it sounds awful to wait patiently when those things are happening. But how many of us, how many of us know that after a broken bone, the, he, the healing process makes the bone stronger? In John 1, 5, it says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. There is hope in this light that overcomes darkness. Jesus is the light of hope in the deep darkness of suffering. We could find hope in the promise that he made to us and all who believe in him as the Son of God. Of course, he never promised that you will be excused from suffering or that the minute you put your faith in him, you will be free of trials. Even Jesus had to go through hardships in his ministry. But even when Jesus went through hardships, God was with him, and Jesus was with God. God promises not to leave you alone under any circumstance, and that includes suffering. But despite of knowing this truth, some of us still struggle waiting in suffering. Most of us, even, at some point of our lives, have felt that our suffering is so intense that, it doesn't, that this truth doesn't make it any better. We just feel forsaken or lost. We might even ask ourselves or ask God, have you forsaken me, Father? Do you still love me? If yes, why am I going through such a difficult time? Let me answer you these questions. God has not forsaken you. God still loves you. And because he loves you, like a parent, he lets his children to go through tough times for their sake. There is a part in the Bible that says, blessed is the one who endures all kinds of trials for the name of the Lord Jesus. One thing is knowing that Jesus is the hope in the midst of suffering. Another one is believing that he is the hope in the midst of suffering. And I want to ask you, which one are we? Are we responding to suffering with believing that Jesus is the hope or just knowing there are three kinds of responses when we go through trials, and I'm going to show you which ones they are. First one is fight. The majority in this room know that I'm diabetic. And before being diagnosed with this illness, I was a guy that would eat food, a lot of food. Doesn't matter the time, doesn't matter what it was, I would just eat it. <laughs> Some among you will call me a bottomless pit, if you know who I'm talking about. And to be quite frankly, I really like the nickname, so it doesn't bother me at all. I kind of feel proud of being called bottomless speed. But when I got diagnosed, my food habits had to change a lot. No more Dolorama candies, no more chocolate bars, no more granola bars, no more sugar, no more donuts for this guy. And it was very painful. <laughs> Recently, I did a challenge with my brother Dylan, he's over there, which consisted in not having sweets for a month. 
Let me tell you, right now it was really hard and I was not doing well from the start. I would resort to anything to calm down my temptation to have candies. First thing I did, oh, oh what happened? <laughs> okay, first thing I did, it was to, um, I would basically just avoid the, uh, the candy aisle in the supermarket and Dollarama. If there, was someone eating, if there was someone eating sweets in the same room that I was, I would just leave. I would use the stevia for my morning coffee as a substitute uh, for my sweet, for my sugar in the morning. I would read a book or listen to worship music to interrupt my thoughts about candies. I even started drinking more water to tame the need of eating my, my Subway cookie in my hour lunch at work. You see, my natural reaction was to face my challenge by fighting the crave of sugar. I will come up with ways to fight on my own terms, but, I will leave more, but it will leave me more anxious and frustrated. Most people would do that. They will fight their suffering on their own with whatever they have available. Sadly, this word does not offer any useful tool to fight suffering and the distress and the anxiety that comes with it. Instead, it offers temporarily solutions to long-lasting situations. And although these temporarily solutions may create a sensation of relief, for an instance, the challenge will still be there. It won't magically disappear. Your heart and mind will deal with the trial next morning. We all know that sometimes there is something bigger than us that we cannot face on our own. And if this is you, if you are fighting, let me ask you, how long do you want to fight for? How much more can you take of it? How longer are you going to keep using temporary solutions to your trial? Are you tired of fighting constantly? We know that Jesus is the light in that hope, the light of hope in the darkness. But we still fight our trials on our own. The second response is fleeing. How many of us have been in a situation where we wish we had wings and we can just fly away and run away from that situation that's uncomfortable or problematic to us? Fleeing seems like a very convenient thing to do because we can just forget about the problems and it might not affect us. But, in, but this is just a lie that we all tell ourselves to justify our fear to the problem. We don't want to confront these issues, so we run away. What we don't take in consideration is that the more we flee or run away from the problems, the more uh, normal it becomes. And when it's too late, we are running away from every problem that we are facing, and we are taking that fear with us in our life. It is easier to run away from the problems, but can we run away forever? The problem will keep showing up with, with other faces, and we will keep showing up with the same fears that we have been carrying around and we will not learn anything from them. You will just give up like I will give up. That is not way of living at all. These two responses, these two first responses, fight and fleeing, are coming from one source, and that source is fear. But this last one comes not from fear, but from the one who has taken our fear away and replaced it with the Holy Spirit. And that response is faith. If there is one right way to respond to suffering, is with faith. And let's take, let's take a, a minute just to go back to our scripture. 
It says, Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return, considering the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look at the, at the valuable harvest to ripen. James is saying that we should have faith and be patient until the Lord's return. We should, patiently, we, we should suffer patiently. But how do we suffer patiently? He gives an example of a farmer. He says, consider the farmers who wait patiently for the crops to grow. How many of us know how long the harvest takes to grow? I'm, you, I knew you would know. <laughs> the length of a growing, I didn't know, so I'd Google it. I had to. So the length of a growing season varies from place to place. And most crops need at least 90 days or even a year to be able to be harvested. Farmers must wait three months at the least or even a year to see the results of their waiting. They patiently wait day and night for the rain to come to nourish the soil so the crops can grow. They do not have any control of what could happen over those three months or the year. A couple of Sundays ago, we learned how we should not boast about the future because we have no control over it. There are so many things that can go wrong, can go wrong and we cannot prevent them. Likewise, the farmers could endure, uh, could endure a lot of hardships as they wait for, the, for their harvest to, to grow. But they stay strong because they have faith in what, we, in, what we, in what will be produced passing those three months. They have a clear vision to be able to endure. And God gives all of us a, a clear vision so that we can endure as well. God has called us to be patient in the middle of suffering because there is a valuable harvest by the end of it. Whether it takes three months or a year, there is something valuable he has for you and me by the end of our suffering season. And remember that the land of a growing season varies, varies from, place to place, from place to place. And for us, it's the same. My suffering will have a different duration than yours. But they will all lead to a beautiful fruit in our lives. Romans 8.28 Romans 8, says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. All things work together. God, good or bad, easy or difficult, something that will make us weak, something that will make us stronger, all that will work together. James called us to be like farmers who patiently wait for all the rain for all the rains to fall because ahead of it, ahead of it, there is a vision of something much greater than waiting in our suffering. And that's what is that brings us to our second main point. Keep your eyes on Jesus and live for heaven. As I said earlier, or as you saw earlier on the screen, bones and hearts will continue to break. Yes, pain will still be present, storms will still come. And our very own lives could be compromised by it. Today, I want us to look at suffering with different eyes. I want us to look at it with heaven eyes and not with human eyes. We know that as humans, we don't see the full picture at all times. But God sees it. And, and even in the trials, he has a plan for us. We may not understand it now, but one day we will. And when that day comes, we will look back at God and we will thank him for letting us go in going through these trials. We know that in the book of Romans, Paul, ta Paul talks about suffering being a way to create endurance 
build our character, and grow faith and hope for salvation. That's Romans 5, 3 to 4. So we only look at the problems with human eyes. But God sees trials to make, God sees the trials just to make us stronger in character and in faith. God never said that it was going to be easy, but he reminded us that it was going to be worth it. In John 16, 20, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn over what is going to happen to me, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will suddenly turn to wonderful joy. In 1 Peter 3, 14, he says, but, in even, but even if you suffer for doing what is right, you will re, you reward, you will reward, God will reward you way, uh, will reward you for it. I don't know what's going on with me today. So don't worry or be afraid of their, of their threats. In 2 Corinthians 4, 17, it says, for our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory, a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. In James 1.12, the beginning of this book, it says, God bless those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterwards, they will afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. In Matthew 5.4, we receive more comfort. God blesses those who, those who mourn, for they will be comforted. If we stop for a moment and we look at our suffering with heaven eyes, we will see that our suffering will not last forever. But it will turn into joy. It will turn into comfort. It will turn into hope. It will turn into strength. In verse 8, James says, and urges to be patient and take courage, for the Lord is coming, is coming back. In verse 8 says, you too must be patient. Take courage, for the coming of the Lord is near. We suffer, pa we, we suffer patiently like the apostles, like many of the prophets, like Jesus, because there is eternal relationship with God waiting for us in heaven, which, we, which gives us the power to know that the suffering we're going through is nothing compared to the joy that he will reveal to us in heaven. So if we only see the problem, how, how bad it hurts, and we go about our day saying, oh God, my life is so terrible. How long will this suffering last for? When is this going to go away? I'm tired of this. I want to change my life, but there is nothing happening. It doesn't seem to make it any better. We will only suffer more and more in our despair. But if we keep our heads, our heads up, we focus on Jesus and the promise that he will come back and that he make us when he left, we will be able to endure and live for heaven. We will see God turning every trial into a valuable harvest at the end of it. However, James knew that many were discouraged by all their suffering. And this caused his brothers and sisters to complain. In verse 9, James says, Don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. For look, the judge is standing at the door. He warns us of the danger of complaining. And if they, and if, if they continue, they will be judged for the judge is standing at the door. I'm Latin American, and complaining comes easy to me. Um, I don't know what it is, but somehow it just comes easy. I'm going to complain, and I'm not proud of it at all. Likely for me, I have God's spirit within me, and he has been so faithful, and he has been helping me with it. But by any means, I'm over with that battle. I'm still, I'm still fighting with that. 
And to be honest with you, complaining is almost the same as worrying. You complain because you are worried about what suffering can do to you since we are just looking at, the, at it with early eyes. But has complaining or worrying solved anything in our lives? Instead, worry and complaining take many hours of our lives which will take you nowhere. It is going to take, take us nowhere. James says that if, we, if you grumble, you will be judged, meaning that complaining and worrying solves nothing. Instead, shows that your response is, out of, it is not out of faith, but is out of fear. Suffering should be the golden moments to speak boldly about God despite our difficult circumstances, to show the world how to focus on what matters, which is much more than earthly problems. That we can be patient with our suffering here on earth because we know that we will spend eternity with no suffering along with him. In Philippians 4, 6 to 7, we are given a tool. And, that, and it says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So Jesus is saying that if we keep complaining and worry, we will end up with no time, and you will be judged and condemned. Jesus is at the door. He can come at any moment, and if we keep complaining, there will not be time to us for us to repent and turn in faith to him. Now, don't get it wrong. James is saying that uh, you will spend eternity separated from God just because you are fearful or because you don't, you're complaining at all times. No. And that's not an automatically sin. You will spend eternity separate from God, but it is not what he means when he says that. For us believers, our faith in Christ is what grants us eternity with him. And if we, if we truly have faith in him, we will not be denying the power of Jesus Christ over our suffering and be condemned by the judge standing at the door. Now, the third and the last, and the third point and the last one is godly company will be your great ally. In verse 10 and 11, it says, For examples of patience in suffering, dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We give great honor to those who endure under suffering. For instance, you know about Job, a man of great endurance. You can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end, for the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. I'm going to name some prophets, and I'm going to ask you a question in a minute. David, Jeremiah, Joseph, Daniel, John the Baptist. What do they all have in common? Exactly. All of them are prophets, and all of them, are, uh, all of them spoke in the name of the Lord. But they experience suffering. And oftentimes, we look at them with eyes of admiration, for their lives were full of tribulations, but they endured. David was persecuted by Saul. He, was, he had to flee from city to city, losing people he loved along the way, like Jonathan, his beloved brother. He suffered greatly, but was anointed by God to be the king of Israel at the end. Jeremiah had, not, had to endure physical suffering by the hands of the Jewish leader and his own people, the Israelites. Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet because he for how he suffered in his life. And we can see that in, Jer in the book of Jeremiah from verse 
from chapter 25 to 45. Joseph had to deal with physical and emotional suffering, not only from his family that sold him as a slave. He had to work as an Egyptian slave as well. But in the end, God provided a way for him. And his, and his kind and tenderness, he made a way for Joseph to be entrusted with important affairs in all Egypt. Daniel was taken away from his home and forced to adopt a foreign culture. And since he was faithful to God, he was put in a, he was put in a lion's den because they didn't like that. His friends, even, whom he loved, were thrown into a furnace. And he was even pointed at traitor. But God, again, in his mercy and tenderness, made a way for him and his friends to be secure. John the Baptist was taken as a crazy man and despised for many. He was sent to prison multiple times, but he endured until his last breath when he got his head cut off, but he is still endured. All of them suffer, but when we talk about them, their suffering is overshadowed by the faithfulness they had on God and how God was merciful regardless of their situations. James also put the example of Job. Let me tell you, Job had a really bad day. He really had a bad day. I mean, he had to endure a lot of things. He had more than a bad day, but in one day, in just one day, he had lost his wealth, he had lost his family, he had lost everything that he loved. And just that was just the bad one day. Imagine us when we have a hard time at work, we're ready, we get home and we just want to sleep. And that's, but he had a really bad one. He lost everything. He lost family, wealth, friends, his health. He didn't, but he did not lose a heart for God. And, the, and in the end, God was kind to him by giving him all what he had lost but double. There is a part in, in the story of Job that says, Job is speaking, and he says out loud, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I, what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. Job even in his suffering, he, prays, he praises God. He praises him because he is good, because God is good and just. And we know that if he takes away something from us, it is for the best. All, and remember that all our riches are not stored here in earth. They are stored in heaven. So if he takes something away from you, you may not know it now, but you will. And it's for the best. It is for your sake. This book is really sad, but it's full of encouragement. It's full of encouragement because Job still praised God until the end. He praises God in the middle of his storm, and he did not turn away from him. As we look back to all of these stories, we can gain wisdom from their lives and their hardships. So that they may apply to our lives as well. Life is so hard enough to try to endure it alone. That is why we should get support of godly friends. As we get supported by the words of these prophets in the Bible, how much more can a close godly friend support each other in a difficult situation? In Proverbs 18.24 says, There are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. 
In Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend is always loyal, and a brother is born to help in time of need. In Proverbs 27, 9 says, The, heart, the heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. There are some of us in this room that are going through the same or similar hardships. And we can encourage each other to persevere because we both have the same vision, which is live for Jesus and become more like him and one day spare eternity with him. That is why as a church we promote discipleship so much because it's the way, it's the way that we can encourage each other battle the same difficulties, support one another, and learn from one another. To keep one another accountable as the Lord guides us to be more like Jesus, who did not live for this world, but he, let, he lived for heaven. In 1 Thessalonians 5.11, it says, So encourage each other and build each other up, just as you are already doing. Again, in the story of Job, he did not have a best, the best company in all his anguish and distress caused by the trials he was facing. Instead, he, has a wife, he had a wife that encouraged him to curse God and die. He had friends that accused him of committing a sin. And it just, it was very painful for him. All of that led Job to feel even worse. He did not have godly friends to speak through to him. He did not have a godly friend to remind him that God does not give rocks to his children when they ask for bread. He did not have a godly friend to tell him that his suffering was not, was not caused from God, but it was the injustice of this word. But even in that injustice, from, the, from a word that is ruled by sin, the, the plans for, of God will always overcome them. They will always overcome the attempts of Satan to discourage you through that suffering. Try to go through a trial alone could make us more prone to focus on the trial itself or the lies of the enemy and our environment. But if we have a godly friend, we, could, we will be able to be patient with one another in our suffering. We will be able to keep our eyes on Jesus and live for heaven. Lastly, in verse 12 says, Most of all, my brothers and sisters, never take an oath by heaven or earth or anything else. Just say a simple yes or no, so that you will not sin and be condemned. Jesus is telling, is, James is telling us that we should be careful when we make oaths because we will not be able to keep them all. We will not be able to keep all our promises up. Similar, similarly to what James also said in chapter, in chapter 4, uh, verse 16 to 17. He reminds us that boasting about the future... The boasting about the future, when we have no power over what tomorrow may bring, it's dangerous. So, brothers and sisters, let make no oaths by heaven or earth or anything if we know that if we, know that we don't know what, we'll, what tomorrow will bring and if we are going to keep our oath. Instead, let our yes mean yes and our no to mean no, so that we will not be condemned. My prayer for all of you is that you is that this church will respond in faith to our trials while keeping our eyes on Jesus and the life in and the and the life in eternity relationship with him in heaven that we will see suffering with heaven eyes because we know that they only make us stronger that we will not complain or lose our time doing it 
because we will have godly friends that will support us in our storm, that we will, car that we will carry each other's burdens as we go for heaven. To all the believers today, if you are going through a trial, and that it seems that your life could not get any worse, know that we serve a God who also suffered. And that it is not strange to what you're going through. He came down to earth, leaving his divine place in heaven to know what you feel. Jesus felt all that distress, all the distress and anguish on his way to the cross. He even fell down when he was carrying the cross, but he did not give up. Rather, he trusted in the Father's will and the mission that he was entrusted with. He too suffered a great pain, but trust in the process of God. Because in his mind, there was only one thing that mattered. It was all of us. He knew that through his sacrifice, through his suffering, we will all feel joy one day. Let us not give up and lean on Jesus and see him as we go through our suffering. If today you are not a believer, if you haven't put your faith in Christ, this is also for you. If you're going through a hard time, know that he sees you. Know that you are not alone. That he is there with you and asking you to come to him so that he can carry what is pulling you down. He loves you so much that he was willing to put his life for you on the line. He suffered just to gain your heart and give you everlasting life through the faith you have in him. This is a gift that we cannot work for or that we cannot pay for. It is a gift to be accepted with a humble heart. He called you worth dying for. Your suffering is not too big for him. In fact, his love is greater than all of those things and even, than your, even bigger than your suffering. If you find that these words are stirring something inside you, please come to me or come to Dylan or come to anyone. Because we want to be that godly friend that would encourage you to live for eternity with him. Don't live without any answers, please. Come and talk to us and ask us questions. So, church, I encourage you to please keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep living for heaven. Know that your suffering won't last long. It will just make us stronger. It will make us endure and know that we will live with Jesus one day where there will not be more suffering. Isaiah says that one day we will be like deers running around heaven with him. And the suffering that we were feeling will not be there anymore. Let me pray for all of us as we continue in worship. Thank you for listening to the sermon from Renaissance Church. If you have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more, please feel free to contact us by email at renaissance.mtl.gmail.com or reach out to us on social media. It's our passion to love Jesus, love each other, and love our world.